2: Welcome, Welcome to, to another, another episode, episode of Pit Lane Parlay.
3: Lane Parlay. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Matt and Jess are here to join me on the last live IndyCar episode of, I believe it's still 2020. So, guys, how are we?
1: The fact that it's still 2020 is mind-boggling, but I'm okay. Uh, I think the better question is, Matt, how are you? i
2: so great. Uh Bears won today. Not much better than that. We get to outdoor dine in Minnesota now. Uh for those who don't know, it's like twenty-five degrees in Minnesota right now. So we uh dressed in several layers and went to our favorite bar to support them during this time and it was a good time. I think we do have to discuss though about the whole like oh god, that's vintage twenty twenty. Like, do we what what happens when we get to next year? So let's say uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a situation here. St. Petersburg somehow has a pipe burst in the middle of the track in February.
3: And we have to report on it. Or you can just say the, the, the pace car. Well,
2: anything. Just anything that happened this year.
3: This year we said,
2: oh, that's just 2020. What do we what are we supposed to do when it gets to next year? Like, oh, God, what are the odds that happens?
1: Or it's like, what do we, we
2: say before 2020 when, like, these kind of situations happened?
1: I don't remember. it <laughs> has been so long. Like
2: this year has it is, been
1: It feels like it's been, been eighty
2: years long.
1: I was gonna say it feels like it's been six years. We've been stuck in this I just, one year. We're gonna
2: we're gonna be stumped when we get to next year when something unorthodox happens and we can't just like pass it off as a twenty twenty thing and then just move on with our lives.
1: That's fair. I didn't think about that, but I, I think you actually have a fair point there.
3: Yeah, that'll be it. we'll have to come up with some sort of catchy nickname for twenty twenty one calamities. But on a positive note, Dr. Jeffrey Billows, IndyCar's director of medical services, returned home after his cancer surgery. I think it was about a week ago at this point. So happy to see him on the mend. And where should we start, guys? We start with IndyCar news or Indy Lights news?
1: I don't care. Surprise me.
3: Okay. Carlin Racing and Jay Howard are teaming up in Indy Lights in 2021, so Carlin is back in Indy Lights. Jay Howard is making the jump up from USF 2000. They had they for those who weren't sure. I believe Jay Howard had at least one Indy Lights chassis for testing for the past year already, and that means 21 year old Alex Peroni, who raced in F3 this year over in Europe is the, let's call them the Carlin side of the duo driver in Indie Lights in 2021. So what do you guys think about everything going on in Indie Lights with a sort of new team and new driver announcement?
1: Well, we'll call it a surprise. So you did good surprising me. No, I'm I, i I'm glad to see Carlin going back. I guess I didn't really necessarily expect to see it this quarter quickly I guess but I I do like that they are teaming up with Jay Howard I think that's awesome that he's kind of expanding his role in the latter series now so good to see Um, and yeah we'll call it it we'll call it a sort of new team I like that because they weren't there for two years I think it was or was it three anyways they weren't there for a couple of years yeah dropped after
2: 2017
1: okay so I couldn't remember if it was two or three, but yeah, so we'll we'll give them the benefit of that out that they're a new team and And I'm glad to see more cars for sure,
2: yeah, it's good news. And I think there's two parts of this that are really good. a I think Carlin was hesitant about indie lights just because they want to get their indie car operation up and going. So I think this kind of maybe paints a picture that their indie car operation is kind of finally on solid footing and they're there for the long haul per se. And then secondly, Jay Howard has been a fantastic owner so far in the road to Indy. And I think I would say he's maybe, I mean, as long as things stay the course, I think he's about five or so years away from jumping up to IndyCar. I think that's obviously an ambition of his and he seems to be doing everything the correct way and clearly is having the leadership skills and whatnot to lead his teams so far. So I hope this partnership of his maybe leads to something more for Indy Lights for him in the year or two. And then next rung up, which is IndyCar, because I think it's clearly something he's aiming for and something he's doing a good job at so far.
3: Yeah, I think Jay said this year his long-term goal was to eventually be a multi-car IndyCar team. And he's definitely working his way up towards that with this Indy Lights partnership. So really happy to see that. I don't know much about Peroni, but people seem to speak highly of him. So, trivia question. In 2017, Carlin's last year of Indy Lights, you were... Matt, I don't like saying you were right, but you were right. Two out of the three drivers raced in IndyCar after 2017. The other was Garth Rickards. (laughs) I couldn't even tell you that he raced in Indy Lights that year. But anyway, can you name the other two drivers?
1: No. (laughs) Uh, 2017.
2: Uh, Mateus Laced. That's one. And Zachary Clayman DeMello.
3: That's two. Matt, Matt wins a virtual high five. Sorry, that's all I've, I've got to give at this point in the year.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, that's uh, I'm proud of that one. But should we uh, transition to our other indie lights ish, indie car topic uh, as far as Dalton Kellett?
1: Yeah, please uh, tell us right.
4: about
2: Dalton Kellett. Yeah, why don't you guys just take a back seat on this one, uh, and I will speak glowingly about Dalton Kellett here for a couple of minutes. Dalton Kellett, the amazing IndyCar driver who I do not believe placed above what was his best finish last year, like nineteenth.
3: I'll look it up while you talk glowingly about him.
2: All right, so Dalton Kellett, who uh, despite his best efforts was basically the lowest finishing cars out of all cars that finished in just about every race last year is stepping up to the IndyCar series full-time next season in 2021 with AJ Foyt Enterprises in the number four entry, I believe. Uh, If you read the PR statements, there is a lot of positive statements being made by Kellett and Larry Foyt and other personnel within the team. There is a full funding for that ride, so that's good news for the hardworking people at AJ Foy Enterprises, because that's uh, food on their table. How long do you guys want to make me do this? Um, Keep going. No, okay. Um, (laughs) Dalton Kellett was not the first car out of the Indy 500 this year. His car with the seafoam green, black, white color uh, was somewhat decent.
1: I did like that scheme.
2: Yeah, it wasn't too bad. His family is not the richest company that's ever entered IndyCar out of nepotism.
3: To answer your question, his best finish was both Road America races. He finished P20, oh, which was cool. not P-last.
2: Yeah, so, you know, out of the roughly 22-ish, 23-ish full-time er, entries we had this year, he was his best finish was 20th. So uh, I'm sure that was partly down to equipment and not down to driver talent at all or <laughs> so how can can i stop <laughs> this is painful <laughs> why is this a th- oh god <laughs> I mean, we, you know this leader circles thing was like a huge thing we talked about for like three weeks prior to the finale and how like they're, 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 if there is What are we looking at, like 24, 25-ish full-time rides this year? If there is 21 leader circle spots, we know for sure, 100% Sharpie it right now, that this number four entry is not getting anywhere near leader circle. Put that in Sharpie. I'll do Greer for days if he somehow ends up in leader circle. If he has like some sophomore miracle comeback where he maybe finishes 19th in a race, I'll do Greer. I don't care. I'll do it. But he, this is so, I just had to go through like three minutes of positivity because my co <laughs> hate me. This is so dumb. And he's a nice guy. Never, I've never not said that about Dalton Kellett. I just still think that this is just not the series for him. I think there's another series out there that is perfectly suited for Dalton Kellett. I just think the top tier of open wheel racing in North America is not it for Dalton Kellett. And I'll stand by that. I will defend that. It's not anything out of malice. I just, it's just one of those things. I just don't think he can he can cut it. And maybe he'll prove me wrong. And if he proves me wrong, I'll be the first one to admit it. I'm not going to sit here and be prideful. I'll admit it. I, I don't know if you guys have anything to add to that. i If you guys want to tear me down, that's fine.
3: I just, it just annoys me to no end. This is easily the most fun segment probably I of the just, year.
2: Uh, and, well, and again, a positive. There is another entry in IndyCar. That is great. I am super happy for AJ Foyt, And again, the hardworking people at that team who put a lot of a lot of hours into that team to, to make it work and to make the operation work. So I'm super happy for them. I just, eh, anybody other than Kellett, really, at this point, I just, he is just not going to cut it at, at any level. And I think at some point there's going to be some unfortunate repercussions somewhere if he is... You know, in the way, in a severe way, or causing an accident because he's so slow. I just, I, I don't want it to happen. I just, I have so many fears about Don Kellett racing in any car right now. If I'm being completely honest.
3: Question. Oh God. This kind of, <laughs> this isn't actually as bad as as you think. I'm not going to argue your point because he had a terrible. Uh, let's see here. It a was year. brutal.
2: It was one of the worst seasons out of full time. I mean. I t- 20th. That was his best finish. 20th out of 23 cars. How do you do that? You think you'd look into something at some point?
3: I got nothing. I I can't argue with your logic. I my question to you is: so you say he's definitely going to be either out of the leader circle or the bottom of like that in that last spot. But one of our other drivers who was also confirmed this week in Connor Daly in the 20 car for the Road and Street Course races is also what you described earlier this month or last month as equally as bad as AJ Foyer racing. So and now I know Connor had some good rides in the Carlin car, so we're not counting that part of Connor's season. But the twenty car specifically and Kellett, do you think those two will be the the, the like the heading up the rear of, you know, in that twenty one to twenty three liter circle range? Or do you think the twenty car will improve? And Kellett is in a class of his own.
2: I don't want to turn this into Matt Ranauer. Jess, do you want to go first on that one?
1: I I actually want to pose a third oh, oh. option oh, that would yeah. be down there. So, um, to and take
2: it's this, at a time here.
1: no, no, no. <laughs> it's this. It's the same question, but I'm going to throw in one more option in uh in. I don't know if it's – it's not my favorite driver because that's Danica, but my second favorite driver in Marco, is he going to improve any in 2021 or is he also going to be down there fighting for that P last spot for the leader circle money?
2: I think at this point the only – well, and, and this is largely maybe up to form. So the only two teams that I see making any sort of change in their form is Andretti Autosport going up and Errol McLaren going down. And so by process, of when I say Andretti Autosport going up, that kind of somewhat excludes Marco. Marco's kind of been the outlier for the last three, four years. And that's, again, not me trying to be mean. That's statistically backed. And so I do think that the, and I don't want to single out Daly because I think Daly's doing the best he can with that. Ride. I do think the number four, the number twenty, and the number whatever the hell Marco is running this year is going to be fighting for that leader circle cutoff. And I I do enter the season a little worried. It's it's going to depend on. Unfortunately, I think Bordé will be all right. i It kind of does depend on coin. I I don't know if if the Pietro Fedipaldi thing's going to happen, which I think we'll talk about later. But if Pietro Photopoly does full time, that would be a little a bit worrying for me. But yes, those three that you mentioned, along with Mike, I, I for sure would be quite concerned about it. But I just ranted about Kellett and somewhat daily Marco. If we have, let's say, 24 as a, as a maybe uh, underestimate if we have 24 full-time cars next year, so 24 leader circle options, where do you think Kellett is going to finish out of that
3: group? 20th.
1: What is what?
3: Are you, I'm just, just, messing do- with, are
2: you just messing
1: with me?
3: I'm just doing it to spite you.
1: Ah, this is tough because it would take a marked improvement by Marco to be up. I, it, it's, it's got to be either Marco or Kellett Is he last? <laughs> <laughs> I really, ah, man, that's tough. I mean, really, it, it just, if, if Andretti has a slightly better year as a whole, I think Marco will also do better just because he'll be taking information from his teammates, I'm sure. So, I, ugh, I hate to, I hate to do it, but if, If, and it's a big if, if Andretti comes out of the gate the way they should and not like they did in 2020, I think that Kellett will finish 23rd or 24th. But if Marco doesn't come out of the gate any better than he did, then I think he will actually be that 24th spot and out of the money. So
2: in this hypothetical situation. So I do think Kellett would finish 24th. So Jess, to your point, who does that say more about? So you said Kellett likely 24th. Does that say more about Dalton Kellett? Or does that say more about a driver who's entering his 15th or 16th season? We're putting him in the same sentence as a guy who didn't finish above 20th last season.
1: Yeah, oh, easily it it says more about Marco. And I like not to bash Marco, uh, but I... I mean, we've said it before, we'll say it again, I'm sure. There are much more qualified candidates for that car at this point. I feel like he's kind of holding up other people from having a chance, to be honest. But I, I also think that it's not necessarily... That he's just this horrible driver. I think it's just that he just doesn't care much anymore. And he just does it because that's what he's always done and doesn't really know anything else kind of thing. And I think that's kind of why he started to get into the ownership role. But I would have liked to see him do more of the ownership side of things and less of the racing side of things. Which, maybe that'll happen in a year or two. We'll see. But, yeah, I definitely think it has more to do with Marco than Kellett. I mean, Kellett didn't even really get any testing. So, like, as hard as we are on the guy, like, there's, you know, I kind of also have to feel a little bit bad for him. So,
2: Mike, before I transition to the next question, do you have any thoughts on that?
3: I don't really know what else to add, but you're you're comparing a guy who's raced seven total, eight total IndyCar races with somebody who's done, let's just say fifteen years and 180, 200 races or something like that. The fact that Marco is even in the same sentence is more damning to Marco than it is Dalton, just like Jess said, no no practice, or less practice, no testing even on race weekends had less practice time. So, and I'm not, I don't want to make that like I'm defending Kelly. Cause he, yeah, he did not have a good year, but I think Jess hit the nail on the head there. And I really enjoyed sitting back, listening to that. That was probably, this has been like my favorite eight minutes of sitting back and not actually having anything to say in a long time.
2: Yeah. I mean, just imagine if I didn't like Donald Kellen as a person. That'd be even worse. I mean, I do like him. He's a nice guy. It's just the, the the driver side of him has unfortunately not floated my boat. A question that I will start with Mike and we get Jess's take on it too. So we, we brought up Daily. So Daily confirmed uh, with the ECR number 10, or sorry, 20 car, 10 of those 13 races in the road courses was sponsored by our Air Force. Three races are to be named for sponsorship. Uh, That does also include the Indy 500, I believe, for Ed Carpenter Racing. So uh, still to be determined if he will end up in the Carlin Oval car, kind of like the same schedule he did this year. Uh, So we'll keep our eyes on that. So my question to you guys is, are you at all frustrated that Ed Carpenter Racing still hasn't worked out a way to feel Ed in, let's say, the 79 Ed Carpenter Racing car for the ovals and then just give Connor that 20 car full time.
3: Yeah, I no disrespect to Ed, but outside of Indy in 2018, when he was pretty strong there and finished second or third to willpower to willpower. I mean, when's the last time he's really done anything on an oval, a lucky podium at Gateway based on strategy? When's the last time like he really was competitive on an oval before that?
2: I think, specifically speaking, Indy 500, the other one that pops up is 2014. And I think that's the year that uh, he and Hinch got in that contact in turn one. Uh, he was pretty strong that year for most of the race. Uh, 2013, he was decent, but I think kind of something happened and he faded a little bit there in the middle. Ovals? I don't know if Jess can... Other ovals. I don't know if... The Sage Karam fight, he was top five in Iowa.
3: Again, it's hard to actually... It's it's almost like the same train as the Marco and Kellett thought we were just talking about. You can't really come up with too many. And Ed at Indy is competitive every year, or most years, and should continue to run the Indy 500 as long as he wants. But outside of that, I mean... I'm I'm looking at it now. He won Texas in twenty fourteen. And since then he has two three top four top fives, and one of them is at Fontana, which doesn't exist anymore. So Literally. <laughs> the reasons to for him to continue are are fading faster and faster away. So I don't know. I I'll I'll let Jess chime in.
1: I think the reason that people get frustrated with it, or at least the reason I get frustrated with it is the fact that we know he has another car because he enters it in the 500. (laughs) So we know that he has the equipment to run the car full time and then just have his one-off car for however many races he wants to do. I, I have to question his thought on that. I mean, maybe it's just the money savings and having a crew for the car for those four races or what I, I don't I I can't figure it out. But yeah, it's it is frustrating. I I feel like Connor deserves a shot at a whole season with one team and you know, getting that feel with the whole, like it's got to be hard going back and forth between two teams to get your whole season in, but at least he had that opportunity. So I don't know. It's just, yeah, I wish Ed would, would just use that third car he's got and and just do himself in that one for the few races he wants to run or just run Indy. Like you said, I mean, well, it's probably
4: even more
2: difficult when you're going from one team where you're consistently a threat for the top 10 and then go to the other team where you're fighting to get out of the leader circles bottom so I, i i do think he deserves a full shot at ed carpenter uh it's it'd be one thing if ed was you know posting these amazing results at every level he went to or at least putting himself within a shot of the lead and maybe there's mechanical here and there but we can point back to say like oh he was running sixth at the time he's engine failed with 40 laps ago or something but we're not even getting bad we're, we're getting a guy who's just kind of out there just like another car just making the rounds uh so it's not. i don't feel like ed's kind of adding anything to that team anymore other than just footing the bills so and, and as far as the third cars, I i feel like if you just kind of ask Tony George for a couple more dollars, I feel like Tony would oblige. So I just don't under, I don't quite understand the whole business side of that operation. Unfortunately, Uh, I think it'd make a lot more sense to just put Connor in full time and then field uh, entry for red four or five, whatever that, how many there are next year, just five of those rounds. But again, I don't know the full story. It's just from an outsider's point of view, it's kind of a head scratcher. That's for sure.
1: All right, so let's talk a little bit about the schedule. (laughs) So we haven't even got out of 2020, and the schedule for 2021 is changing. Not just with IndyCar, we talked about it on NASCAR too, so it's not just IndyCar that's being affected, but I'm sure most of you have heard by now. Um, Long Beach has been moved to the season finale. Instead of being in April, it's going to be September 26th now. Uh, So they're breaking the tradition of having it in April, which I know a lot of people are upset by. But at the same time, then you're going to finish the season with an interesting swing in Portland, Laguna, and Long Beach. So, what are you guys saying? Positive, negative? I don't know.
3: Inevitable. I mean, most sports teams. I think the Forty ers are playing their remaining games in Arizona. The San Jose Sharks are also practicing in Arizona for the start of the NHL season right now, or about to. So it's just one of those things that, and you know, NASCAR canceled Fontana and put it in Daytona at the road course. So. It's one of those things that the writing was on the wall and it's better to get it out of the way with now and have plenty of time to properly plan in September for however they're going to do it if they need to limit fans or not or or whatever. So I guess from a team perspective, it's probably pretty good because they can stay out on the West Coast instead of driving back and forth. So they might save a little bit of money. I'm sure it's not like that big of a deal, but for some of the smaller teams, it probably is so.
0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW group void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
4: Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide and will be in your feed after every Grand Prix dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favorite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato and I'll catch you after the checkered flag.
3: I would just like to have Long Beach on the schedule one way, shape or another. So I'm happy that it's not canceled, but otherwise, I don't really care when it is next year. I just want to see Long Beach again.
2: Yeah, I agree. I Positives is I don't have to do Gruyere because on the
3: last episode, I said
2: if it was in April, I'd do a lot of Gruyere. So we're we're good. We're good on that one. Now I just had to bank on Dalton Kellett not getting the leader circle money because that's my next uh, bout with Gruyere potentially. I, I don't know. Mike, can I be a downer?
3: You can be whatever you want to be.
2: Jess, is that okay? Go for it. Don't have a whole lot of faith that even by September, they'll let the race go. I think there's a lot that can happen between now and September. that's for those three races that Jess mentioned, the Laguna Seca, Portland and Long Beach. I just think with the West coast States, there's a lot of flux with policies and whatnot that can jeopardize those races. And I think a lot can happen between now and then. So, Obviously, I'd love to see them because those are three great venues, three very diverse venues that all have their own characteristics that really add a lot of value to the schedule. But I think a lot can happen between now and September and if 2020 taught us anything, it's that can't quite count our chickens before the hatch. So I'm a little worried even. I'm glad they delayed it. You know, now we can kind of table this discussion about Long Beach till maybe June ish. But I'm still a little suspect that these races are going to happen at all.
1: Yeah, I don't really uh, – I mean, I, ca- I can't fault you for that because I don't really have the warm fuzzies about anything on anyone's schedule for any sports at all in the year 2021. Um, again, just because, like said, said, uh, this year has taught us to be uh, – I guess, less than hopeful about those kind of things. Like I want to see these races happen, but I also want them to be profitable and also to be safe. And I don't think that we can count on that uh, both profitable and safe for at least a while. I don't know, like you said, June, July, something like that, uh, depending on how the vaccine works and what kind of policy states put in place, because you know, who knows what's going to change between here and I don't even even March when the season is supposed to start. Um, I think that we have to take this early schedule with a grain of salt, but like I have said before, and I'll say it again, the fact that they're trying to get a whole season in next year is kind of a miracle. And I think we should all be grateful for that. So I'm going to be flexible and, and I'm going to keep my hope alive, but I'm not going to hold my breath. How about that?
3: I think that's fair. And yeah, the full season hopes or full season attempts is definitely welcome. When the NHL is only doing 56 instead of 82 baseball is not sure what they're doing yet. And Am I missing anything else that's coming up sports wise? The NBA is shortened to some degree. I don't even know how many games the NBA is doing. So,
2: well, and uh, I think USC came out today and said that they're foregoing their bowl game because of the the worries about COVID. So, another Los Angeles based team.
3: So, we'll move on to the last topic before. Oh, I should do team, uh, our team pit lane shout outs before we get to the last topic. Shout out to Jess, Dad, Carrie, Chim, and Stephen Clark this week. Thank you for supporting the show. So, our last topic before we get to pitfalls and kind of a quick rundown of what's left open seat wise, which isn't much at this point. So, obviously, as as Matt mentioned at some point earlier in the episode, both of the coin cars, the eighteen and 19 or 55, whatever they're going to number it is wide open that. Andretti slash Steinbrenner entry is still open. And then there's a Carlin entry leading us to Pietro Fittipaldi, who said his goal for 2021, after he competed in just the, the single F one race this year for uh, subbing in for Roman Grosjean is he would love to get an IndyCar car if he could, and maybe keep a foot in F1 as a reserve driver or test driver or something like that. So where do you think Pietro would best fit in those remaining seats? I guess probably either Coin or Carlin. And do you think he would be more successful than his previous indie car venture?
1: So I feel like Coin is the obvious choice here because he's already got that relationship there and I do think he would be more successful. I mean, even in the article, he, you know, he was talking about some of the races that he had with him. He he was racing injured anyways. So you got to think that he's probably going to do better if he's totally healthy. Um, The one thing that I wasn't really like excited for is that he wants to race full-time IndyCar basically because he's, not gonna get a full time F1 ride, and it's just kind of like, well, I just wanna, I just wanna do something. while I wait for an F1 seat to open up? Kind of didn't really necessarily like that attitude. So hopefully, it just came off that way in the article, and that's not how he really feels. I, I, yeah,
2: I think uh, coin is probably his only spot, and unfortunately, <laughs> we're gonna have to t- we're gonna touch on Madspin again in a little bit here if that's a a spoiler or not but uh there's kind of a i don't even know mike is the one who brought it to our attention as far as the conspiracy theory going around that Pietro Fittipaldi might still have a chance at the Haas seat next year which i laugh at i don't think it's happening there is that conspiracy going around but i i think uh Fittipaldi is 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 going to be a good fit at coin i definitely rate his road course abilities above Santino's I obviously then, on the flip side, I would rate Santino's oval abilities above, P- above Pietro's. So it's a, it's a trade-off, but obviously if we're looking at the schedule next year, I'd rather have the guy that's good on road courses just because it's two-thirds of the schedule. So I do think Pietro may have a chance of faring a little better, and I definitely think if he gets that continuity within a, a team and, and gets that full schedule, it's definitely going to go a little bit better than his first venture, which was all of... Uh, four or so races interrupted by uh, uh injury that he had at Spa. So I think uh, if he does end up in IndyCar, I think it's going to go a lot better for him this time around.
3: Yeah, I would say he would be a top 15 contender on a on a weekly basis, obviously with the occasional struggle here and there, because I guess he'd probably technically still be a rookie or not. I don't know. what. The, uh, no, he wouldn't be because the cutoff is four races. So ignore that. But yes, I think he would do better to Jess's point about his kind of, well, I just want to do something to do something very fair. I didn't read it that way, but I can see it that way now that you you mention it. And it, it is a little disappointing because you want somebody to race an Indy car because they want to be here, although Alex Rossi didn't really want to be here at first either. And now he's an animal. So maybe it'll turn around once he's here for more than a couple of weeks and doesn't break his leg in the middle. So. I don't know. I'm just trying to be like sort of positive before we get to the pitfalls. What? I know it's weird. Ugh. I'm trying to end 2020 on a high note.
1: I mean that is fair because I will. I will be honest. When Rossi came over, I was not a fan uh, yeah. because of his not attitude. Many people were. Yeah, because of his attitude, I was not a fan. And obviously, by my trying to pick him to be the champion for the last, I don't know. It feels like eight seasons in a row. I know it's not eight, but. Yeah. Are you gonna
3: pick him again next year?
1: I don't know yet. Probably not, because obviously I've done really bad things for his championship. Yeah,
2: it's like Mike. It's Mike it's like Mike picking willpower. Just,
1: I just, like really hope that Mike doesn't pick him though. Like I I bring some bad luck, but Mike's bad luck is like epic bad luck.
3: I don't what? I know just you probably didn't uh, you probably don't know this, but my F1 predictions weren't awful the second half of the F1 year.
1: They weren't like but they weren't good. Oh well, no! They... It's like
2: it's like me having a deck of cards in my hand and asking you if the next card will be red or black.
1: Oh, okay, got it.
3: <laughs> I mean, it's an improvement over what I did with willpower the last three years.
1: Well, yeah,
2: I think predicting F1 is a tad bit easier.
1: He does have a point.
2: Uh, Indy car is, is definitely a lot more difficult to, to predict if we're being honest I
1: can't wait till we try to predict NASCAR that's gonna be fun
2: oh, it's like 43
1: drivers <laughs> <laughs> here let me get out my dart and throw it at the board <laughs> seriously
2: okay so if you guys didn't know if I could uh, drive the next topic here based on my Kellett, uh a uh, rant uh, I'm definitely in uh, I would say a, more of a, a fiery mood you guys got any uh any questions or any uh, debates you want to have? Uh, on here before we get into our pitfalls, just to, to spice it up a little bit. Anything you guys either want to get off your chest or anything in the IndyCar world that's been, we'll say, uh, miffing you lately?
1: I'm going to be super honest. I've been missing a lot. I, I've been missing a lot, so I don't have anything that's, like, really sticking out in my mind.
2: And Mike's too positive. He's, he's always got the positive mind going. He, anything miffing you? Anything missing you lately?
3: I really just am excited for testing to start next month again. So we have something to talk about because we all know how important test lap times are to the actual regular season of Indy. Matt
1: really likes testing. He bases yeah. all of his predictions yeah. and, and stuff off the testing.
3: See that, everybody. I just gave him like a, a
2: softball because I'm in a, a fiery mood here. I gave him a softball to just tee me up to tear down. Uh, marty roth or something at the knees and 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 mike diverted it to i can't wait for testing next month come on positive guy
3: (laughs) okay the only thing negative i have is where is the indycar video game and i know the answer to that so and jess is also wondering where the indycar (laughs) video game
2: is (laughs) well i thought project cars had us covered
3: uh, oh, God, the yeah. worst racing game ever created. For those
2: who don't know at home, the joke is that Project Cars is a terrible video game. Uh, so
3: Jess hates it.
1: I yeah, did yeah. not know it was a terrible video game.
2: <laughs> Let's put it this way, Jess. If you could start your own video game and uh, invest a lot, a lot, a lot of money into it, would you call it Project Cars? No. You know how much better a set of courses sounds than Project Cars? Uh, just by names alone, I'll just buy AC more. I'll just, I'll just do it. I, I, all right. Well, Mike won. He got me going. <laughs> got me on my rant.
3: <laughs> that was easy.
2: <laughs> next safe to bring up okay. is Elio Castro Davis is the lead driver, and then there's the next twenty minutes of our lives down the drain. That's let's we'll,
3: <laughs> we'll save that for We'll save that for another day.
2: All right.
0: And now it's time for pit lane parlays,
3: pitfalls of the week. Matt, would you like to start?
2: Yeah, I think that would be a, a good intro for this one. So I'm going to uh, back up what Jess said last week about Nikita Mazepin. And uh, I don't know if it's like a double pitfall, doubly pitting fall him. I mean, we obviously all agree with what Jess said last week. And uh, I am ready for the Mazepin era of Formula One to end uh, before it even started, which I am hoping for. The uh, the reason I'm pitfalling him now, on top of everything that Jess said last week, is that this week, he has deleted his apology from his social medias. So, make that of you. Make that of it what you will. But the uh, victim in this situation, the girl in the video who had not so long after this gained traction on social media, as far as, you know, what is he doing? This should be, you know, something that gets him fired, et cetera. Uh, She came out and basically said, Hey, we're friends. This is nothing big, nothing big. We've been friends forever, blah, blah, blah. Like, please don't read too much into it. We're really good. We're really close, et cetera her tune has drastically changed in this past week. Uh, she has shared m- uh, at least three Instagram stories uh, about not taking advantage of drunk women. Uh, others were, it, it, it's not painting the same picture that was painted last week and they don't follow each other on Instagram anymore. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the pro Mazapin defenders on the internet, all seven of them, were pointing to that original Instagram story from the female as like a, a justification for for what he did. and now they don't have a leg to stand on for sure. Uh, Haases stood by their original statement and Gunther Steiner stood by their original statement that they're gonna keep it internal, et cetera et cetera, et cetera checks cleared, et cetera, et cetera, money in the bank, et cetera. So obviously it's still very disappointing with how this is all shaking out. But my my, uh, my pitfall this week is the, the latest happenings in the Mazepin world and how disappointing it is that he is uh, – because I think the official entry list came out this week or last week. Uh, how disappointing it is to see his name still there.
3: Before Jess goes, the only thing I'll add is – that the use the hashtag we say no to Mazepin and also Haas today or yesterday said we might not ever publicly release anything we talk with him about which is super disappointing but I will turn it over to Jess instead of belaboring the Mazapin point
1: yeah so don't know if this is a first but it very well could be I'm gonna pitfall myself I'm pitfalling myself because I'm very confused. Yeah, well, because last week on the same note, I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Please don't take that wrong. I was not siding with anything he did, or saying what he did was okay. I was giving him the benefit of the doubt because the female involved said that they were friends. It was an inside joke. And and I was trying to believe what she was saying more than what he did. Um, so I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt that we didn't know the whole story, but then more things came out and it looks like we did know the whole story and I gave him the benefit of the doubt for absolutely nothing. So yeah, I, I hope that, um, something comes of this. Obviously, um, he's, he's not only deleted his apology off social media, he's deleted, everything off social media i mean his accounts are still there but uh they are blank except for his likes he failed to to remove those so if you want to see what he likes go go ahead and look i Um, don't know if i I, see that yeah, yeah a lot of them are not in english so and i didn't take the time to translate because i don't care that much but i thought it was interesting that he's deleted pretty much everything and and i don't know if that's you know his way of trying to erase the board and start clean i don't know but i don't think it's going to work quite the way he thinks it is i think it's just going to make people more frustrated than they already were
3: yeah the uh, in case you missed it a couple minutes ago we say no to mezzapan hashtag has really (laughs) taken off in the past week two weeks or so so yes i appreciate your take there jess
1: yeah so i pitfall myself
3: I think there's that, some that, is there some rule against that. Um, I don't think we have rules. You're, you're starting a dangerous
2: game here. I'm just going to start pitfalling Mike for no reason.
1: I mean, that's okay. You're allowed to pitfall whoever you want. I just usually don't have to pitfall myself because usually I don't have takes that are that bad. But this time I had a bad take. It is what it is.
2: I pitfall Mike for supporting Carson Wentz.
3: I don't support him. (laughs) I support the eagles. (laughs) Save that for another day. Anyway, on on a lighter note, everybody needs to laugh a little bit before we end out the episode. I was about to pitfall something completely different, and then I was scrolling through Reddit while walking the dog right before we started recording and came across a Reddit thread that said Indie Lights needs a minimum of 25 to 28 cars to be considered a competitive grid so you want to essentially quadruple the last year's indy car indy lights grid in order for it to be competitive now i know the grid size has been small the last couple of years i'm not you know denying that a bigger grid is definitely necessary but the last six seven indy Lights seasons have been pretty damn competitive from start to finish. It's not like anybody has totally run away with it. At least at least that I can think of off the top of my head. So I would just like to know where this 28 number comes. I think it's just one of those like totally unrealistic Indy car is only going to be important if it has only American drivers and only ovals sort of rhetoric that we see on the internet craziness. And I just thought I would make everybody laugh before we ended the end of the episode.
2: I just want to point out that I don't think Indy Indy lights has ever consistently had over 26 cars in a single season ever.
3: I can't remember the last time I had, and I don't think it needs 26 to 28. If it was 15 to 20, that'd be more than reasonable to me. I don't even remember the last time it's been 20 plus, maybe 15 years ago, 10 years ago,
2: 2008 or so. when they had like, you know, or maybe that 2009 area where they had like Pippa man, Hinch, Plowman, Kimball Stephen Wilson uh Wade Cunningham oh, but we don't like him uh who else is in there? Anna Beatrice a couple others that was that was just like a a great time and I think even then the the fields were 1920 ish and that was like a, a stacked year so yeah that's a that's a bad take and you think about like comparing it to other feeder series is f2 only has 2022 ish most seasons, so it's not like do we diminish F two because they don't have twenty eight? Like that's the, I don't know. That's a yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, yeah, then F 2s garbage. Do you you heard it here first? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah i I'm not really sure what their definition of competitive is, but okay, whatever you say then.
4: Yeah,
3: fair point, guys. Do we have any thoughts? Just for those who are listening. Thank you for listening all year next week. So New Year's Eve or New Year's day, we'll put a a surprise interview that we already did at some point this year up and we're going to take a little time off and not do a recording next week Matt,
2: real quick. I guess I forgot to bring this up. Uh, we got to do the Christmas gift that an IndyCar driver needs for 2021. What IndyCar driver is wishing for what gift for next year?
3: Oh, boy. Marco Andretti is hoping for a venture capitalist.
1: I was going to say something, but I don't know if it's allowed. <laughs> also, Marco Andretti, a bigger set of
3: racing tires. hmm <laughs> Oh, I
1: get
2: it. You were going to wish for a bigger steering wheel.
1: Yep, that's right.
2: Got it. I totally see where you're going with that. (laughs) Um, I think Dalton Kellett is going to be wishing for at least a 19th place finish.
1: (laughs) Can we at least make it like 15th?
2: (laughs) He's got to keep his expectations a little lower than that.
1: Fair.
3: Can you imagine, like, if he was in in the Gateway race, the one where they all crashed at the start, he probably would have finished fifteenth because he was starting. He probably would have started last. That would have
2: been the best fifteenth place, seven laps down performance we've ever seen in the history of IndyCar.
3: That's like when Kimi Räikkönen gets named to the Autosports Top Fifty list and uh, really did not I, I, all we last didn't happen one year. Uh,
1: how many F one drivers on that? Like
2: half the field.
3: Mm, more than I half was the field. Say I
1: think it was more than that.
2: Bless Pierre Gasly. Had a great win at Monza. Did pretty well with that equipment this year at AlphaTauri. How did he make that list? I'm sorry. I I don't get it.
3: I'm fine with Gasly on there, but like Raikkonen literally did nothing all year. Well,
2: yeah. I mean, Raikkonen had one good lap at, what was it, Portimao, where he went from like 17th to 7th in one lap because it was half damp. I mean, yeah. I think, I mean, if Gasly was like 48th or something, I would have been like, whatever. I think he ended up like somewhere in the twenties or thirties. Like, like seriously, Rossi didn't make the list. And I know you look at his championship standing. Like, oh, nah. he didn't have a good season, but like his season was a lot better than it indicated. I just, yeah, that's. We need a whole nother hour to discuss that.
3: Yeah, very well said. So I guess, Jess, any 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 last thoughts?
1: Everybody have a good uh, holiday and. Here's to hoping 2020 goes a little bit better. I'm not even going to pretend it's going to go great, but a little bit better than 2020.
3: (laughs) Positive, positive vibes and positive thoughts and happy holidays, everybody. Yes. Jess, go ahead and.
1: And guys, keep your lug nuts tight.